podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly View system, DLS. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. This message is sponsored by Amazon. I want to get back to kissing the cheeks of my grandbabies, making Sunday dinner with a house full of family and lots of laughs. COVID-19 has changed how we live and how we feel, but now there are vaccines. It's okay to have questions. Now get the facts. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision about COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cop Table podcast, where tonight we are going to be reviewing the Spurs game from last night and then previewing the Crystal Palace game that's coming up. On the on this this Saturday morning, uh, early kickoff should I say twelve thirty. We're going to be talking a little bit about the Christmas uh, fixtures as well that, that's coming up with uh, with Jay. So joining me once again is Jay Riley. You can get Jay on Twitter at the Cop HQ. Regular with us on, on the Cop Table, and also with us tonight is Steve Trendall. Steve's been on with us previously as the the Crystal Palace representative, and always good to to have him back on the show. So. Both welcome to the show, lads. Good evening, gents. Thanks for having me back on. Hello, boys. Welcome Looking forward to, to the game on Saturday. Yeah, after uh, such a fantastic performance by Liverpool against Tottenham, so fingers crossed we can get another three points at the weekend. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's that's we'll where we're going to start. That, that, boys. <laughs> that's it. So yeah, that's where we're going to start off tonight's uh, podcast. Yeah, we're going to go and have a look back at the the spare results last night. Come away with a two-one victory. Injury time winner from from Roberto Firmino, but in my opinion, a, a fully deserved victory. Uh, I think it was something like 70, 78 possession, seventy two percent percent possession, should I say? Sorry to Tottenham's twenty eight and lots more chances for Liverpool. Although they did have a few clear cut opportunities, should I say? Tottenham, especially at, at the start of the the second half. But what a, a total difference it was from. From Sunday, Jay, with that that full performance going to, it's going from one end of the scale, hasn't it? Where we was absolutely dreadful, in my opinion. I thought, even even Aston Villa's performance, I thought it was worse than that. I thought it was absolutely shocking on Sunday, and then to go to the other end of the scale and, and put in a performance like that, where every single player, not one of them, come away with a, a less than a seven out of ten, if you like, and just absolutely superb performance. So, just give us your your thoughts on that game and, and how it. It was previous to that Fulham one, Jay. Well, yeah, I mean, the Fulham performance was a little bit of a shocker, really, because leading up to the game, we all know that Fulham, you know, they try to play football, they're a decent football inside, but they're not very good defensively, and that's shown quite a lot this season. The only thing I will say is, though, they did have a, a good result, didn't they, away from home against Leicester not so, so long ago. So we shouldn't really have been thinking going into the game that they were pure cannon for there, because... 
Obviously, they had had a good result recently, but even still, going into the game, you still thought Liverpool would get the three points would be fairly comfortable. Um, but that just wasn't to be the case. And in the first half, we were in absolute shambles. And I did liken it at half time to the Aston Villa game. The only difference was we were a little bit, you know, happy that we'd had Alisson between the sticks, not Adrian. And also, if you look back to the Villa game, a lot of deflected goals in that game. So we touched lucky really with a few like moments in that first half where Fulham could easily have been, you know, a couple of goals ahead really, not just, just, you know, one nil. Um, Liverpool were Definitely. really poor. And Fulham, you know, can count themselves hard done by really that they hadn't had the game wrapped up at half time. In the second half, though, Liverpool did improve. And, you know, I think when you analyse the bigger picture of the whole game, we probably were just about where the other point in the end because second half we weren't in control. We weren't on top. The only thing is, didn't really look like we were going to score until obviously we were awarded the penalty, which was a penalty. You know, there's no doubt about it. It was handball in the box. And, Mo Salah stepped up, and even this penalty wasn't very convincing, was it? Really, it was one of one of his worst penalties that he's taken for the club. But thankfully, he managed to still go in the net, and we got a point. And there was that sense of it being a big point, really, because the performance in the first half was so bad. It was just, you know, it was comparable to a little bit to Aston Villa earlier on in the season. But you had to move on from that quickly because, you know, at the end of the day, we had a massive game on the horizon this midweek against Tottenham, and. You know, the last team to, to beat Liverpool at, at Anfield is, is the team that we've got coming up at the weekend. So, you know, Liverpool are chasing this record that Jose Mourinho had when he was he was the Chelsea manager. Now, Liverpool, next opponent at Anfield was, was Tottenham. And who's their manager now, Jose Mourinho. So, it has all the makings of like a Mourinho tactical masterclass against Liverpool with all the issues that we've got in defence. You know, obviously like Matt John Matt about to go off at half time in the game against Fulham. So obviously he was a doubt for the Tottenham game. And as so happens when the team sheet came out, he, he was unavailable. So Liverpool were, were void of the, of the main three centre halves going into this game against Tottenham. And when you consider you're coming up against the England number nine, the captain, the, the you know, England centre forward with Harry Kane, and also Son, who, who's the top goal scorer, I think, isn't he? And he's been scoring goals for fun all season. You're thinking to yourself, Jesus Christ, it's going to be a tough night this against Tottenham, um, having to play either Phillips or Reese Williams, who actually got the nod over Phillips, and of course Fabinho. Now, Fabinho's been absolutely incredible. We all say, don't we? that he's one of the best defensive midfield players in the world. But to actually play centre-half as he has this season, it's just like a Van Dyke clone. He's been unbelievable. You cannot underestimate how well he's performed in a role that's, you know, obviously it's it's a, it's a little bit unusual to him because he's not a... He, he, I know he's a central player, but he's a centre-mid. He's not a centre-back, but he's just taken to it like a duck to water. And at this moment in time, he's arguably the best centre-half in the Premier League. And he's a midfielder. That's how good he's been. He's been sensational. But what I will also say is, going into it, though, you're thinking, who's going to partner him? And a lot of people did say Phillips because he played against Brighton, he played against Leicester. Um, so he, he, Sorry, he played against West Ham, didn't he? So he's played a couple of Premier League games already. And Reese Williams have been playing the Champions League games. But the reason why I think Klopp obviously went with Reese Williams in the game against Tottenham last night was purely down to the fact that it's obvious he prefers him over over Phillips. And the thing is, because Phillips was couldn't play in the Champions League games, he was he was keeping Reese Williams fresh for that. 
And now because the Champions League games are over, then obviously that's the reason why last night he, he's decided he's the man now who wants a partner, uh, Fabinho or Matip when one or the other's out injured. So I think it, it made it known last night that he's, he's got high hopes for Reese Williams, he really has, and potentially moving forward he's got a future at the club because you know I think there was a lot of faith put in him last night in such a big, important game against some, you know, the players of the ilk of Harry Kane and Son. So, you know, it was a massive call by Klopp going into the game. And, you know, I have to say I was a little bit wary for the lads because it was such a such a massive game, really. But Liverpool just con- controlled it, didn't they, in the first half? We were totally dominant. And, yes, you know, Mo Salah put us in front. And it was a little bit fortuitous, really. It took a deflection, went into the top corner. Liverpool were more than worthy of the lead. And then, of course... Typical Mourinho trying to park the bus, you know, hardly any percentage of the ball, probably what twenty five percent. He hadn't even had the shot, and then about five minutes before half time, of course, it was the the, the goal that Son equalised. And look to me, for the naked eye, it looked like he was offside. I I thought all day long, it's well, even when I seen the replay straight away, you know, this is going to get given that offside of VAR. And as it happened, you know, he was marginally onside and the goal stood. And it was just a sucker punch, really, because Liverpool had control the game, should have been out of sight, really. They hadn't even had a sniff, had they? They hadn't had hardly any of the ball. And then it just gave Mourinho that little bit of sparkle back, that little bit of impetus. And at half-time, he must have been getting round him in the, in the dressing room and saying, look, you know, that that's, that's going to hurt them, that, because they've played quite well and all of a sudden we're level so go out there and try and you know win the game early part of the second half and they did. They came out and they had a twenty minute spell where realistically they, they could have put the game to bed. You know, let's be honest, Bergwine missed a shitter, then he missed another shitter hitting the post, and then Addy Kay missed an unbelievable one, like six yards out, three header. So to not take any of them three chances was a bit of a godsend for Liverpool because we just didn't get going at the start of the second half and it was almost like we did sulk a little bit because they got that goal right on the stroke of half time and, you know, it did, like, knock the stuffing out of us, if you like. So Liverpool needed to sort of, like, get a foothold and get back into the game because it did look like Spurs were going to were gonna get the winner. And then all of a sudden Liverpool just took over and, you know, they, they sort of, like, regained control and Sadio Mane had a little bit of a... And in and out night didn't he struggled up against Doria, but then towards the end of the game he started getting on top of him a little bit and he hit the he hit the bar, didn't he, with a great strike where he rolled he rolled a defender and then obviously clipped one off the bar. But it did look like it was fizzling out to a draw and it would have been drop points really and on the back of drawing with Fulham, it would have been a bit disappointing, wouldn't it? Yet another draw. Um but then, like I say, right at the very end there. A, a fantastic corner by Andy Robertson right on the head of, of Firmino and you know he's needed that goal hasn't he because he, he hasn't really scored many goals has he like this season and even the back end of last season he wasn't scoring was he Bobby and what a, what a fantastic header it was poor defending by by Tottenham but um, you know what a way to win a game of football in the, in the last minute um, and, and especially as well the circumstances you know a game the top of the table clash because at the time going into the game Tottenham were above us and against no better man it's always great to score a last minute winner of course against any team but when it's against the, the type of manager that it is Mourinho it, it just had that little bit of extra edge to it didn't it and it was great at the end where you're seeing like Mourinho was, was absolutely fuming wasn't he he was furious he couldn't believe it and Klopp and Pep Linders are sort of like smiling and laughing in his face and you know at the end of the game he's in his, his after match interview where he's going on saying the best team didn't win and all 
I mean, look, they had a good 20-minute spell in the second half, and they could have easily scored a couple of goals. They had some really good chances. When you look at the bigger picture, Liverpool had like three quarters of the possession in the game. I think we had 10 to 12 more shots in the game. You know, Liverpool did deserve to victory. There's no doubt about it. You can't just turn up for 20 minutes in a game of football and expect to win it. You know, you'd have to put in a proper performance. And this this Liverpool team has got such an elite mentality. It's incredible. You know, Mourinho went on before the game saying about Liverpool are going on and moaning about all the injuries. Well, I can name like eight injuries that we've got. We started mentioning kids in the under twenty, under sixteens, and under eighteens, and under twenty threes. Liverpool have had so many injuries this season; it's unbelievable. You know, at this moment in time, we're getting a few players back. Of course, we are. You know, Trent Alexander-Arnold's coming back. He doesn't look 100% fit, but he's coming back. We've also had an injury this season to Fabinho. Thankfully, he's back. We've also had, you know, we've got three centre-halves missing as it stands now. We've had Alisson missing for about three or four games this season. You know, Jordan Henderson's had an injury this season. Thiago Alcantara's missed. He's only played one and a half games for us. Uh, Diogo Jota's now injured as well. Naby Keita's injured. So, when you look at it, the amount of injuries we've had uh, to players who, you know, are the key players in the team or, you know, they're, they're certainly in the match day squad. So it's a little bit of sour grapes, really, by Mourinho trying to like deflect a little bit from the, the situation that Liverpool have suffered this season. But it's a testament to how good they are. It's a testament to how, how good a manager, really, that Jurgen Klopp is that Liverpool are now sitting three points clear at the top of the table after 13 games and all the issues we've had it's, it's, it's incredible it's quite it's quite remarkable that we are top because you know what the other teams must be looking thinking it's like psychological you know the likes of Man City in a little bit of transition Chelsea have bought so many players so because you've got so many players sometimes it can be quite difficult to you know to gel but everyone was raving about them a couple of weeks ago you know Tottenham have had a good start to the season they were top before last, last night's game you know teams have done quite well this season and it is quite tight still of course it is Liverpool are only three points clear but to me psychologically they'll be looking at Liverpool's squad and looking at Liverpool's injuries and thinking how on earth is that team top of the league with all the issues they've had don't forget we've also lost 7-2 this season so to be top at this stage now after a quarter after sorry after a third of the season gone it is outstanding and let's hope we can go into this game now on Saturday morning and go six points clear all this week on NBC4, new products to new technology. Susan Hogan is showing you how local restaurants are changing the way we dine in and take out in this new world. Tonight at 6. A new twist on outdoor eating. A lot of it is creating flexibility. How one local restaurant is making their outdoor space mobile, giving you plenty of sunshine and social distance for a stress-free meal. It's all part of restaurant revitalization. Tonight at 6 on NBC4, working for you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I totally agree with you 100% there about uh, what, what Jose Mourinho was saying about his comments in his, his post-match interview and saying, like you say, he's suffering from, from injuries and basically trying to deflect it. But he, he was trying to play mind games in the build-up, wasn't he? And let's face it, Jürgen Klopp's not the type of manager to, to pay any attention to things like that. And he, he just wouldn't have took that on whatsoever. And, and it showed at the end when... He's when he's smiling in, in Mourinho's face and he's Mourinho's still in his ear saying that they was the better team and Klopp's again just, just brushed him off and didn't even really talk about him in his his, his own interview after the game, did he? So yeah, thoroughly deserved um, victory and like you say we move on to Palace now where we will bring Steve in. 
So, Steve, just going to talk a little a bit about Crystal Palace's season uh, to yourself. There's been a few decent results, just looking back. Um, good win over Manchester United early on. You've also had a, a decent win away at Fulham, beat Leeds 4-1. Um, but then you've also suffered a few defeats as well, haven't you? The likes of Newcastle, when they, they got beat 2-0 at home. Burnley away a 1-0. And then the last couple of games... Apart from the the five one away victory at, at, Chris, at West Brom, should I say, they've had a one all draw with with Tottenham, which is not a bad result, and then a one all draw with West Ham away last night. So, just just give us your your thoughts on the on the form and the the, the recent performances that Crystal Palace have put in, please, Steve. Uh, evening, um, yeah. Uh, and before before I talk about that, I just want to say what uh, what a fitting tribute to Gerard Julio last night. Um, I, I thought it was really respectful. So um, uh, a brilliant manager, and um, yeah, a real shame that, that obviously uh, he's passed away. I mean, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, appreciate that, Steve. It was a it was a cracking tribute, and yeah, like you say, um, our thoughts and everyone's thoughts of ours go out to the to the Hulier family and a very sad loss for Liverpool Football Club. But yeah, please carry on. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, no problem. Um, um, so yeah, the season's been a strange one so far. Um, we've 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 played some fantastic games, to be fair. Uh, the, the game against Man United, the game against Leeds, especially. Um, you know, it, we took the game to um, to both teams at the time, and it's completely unlike us to to do that. Normally, we'll sit back, we'll we'll have you know everyone behind the ball, hoping for. Uh, some counter-attacking opportunities which we can hopefully be clinical with but that's not not, not really our game um, I think the biggest difference to to our, our team at the moment has been Eze um, he's uh, an absolute baller to be fair to put it bluntly and um, what, what's happening is he's taking the focus away from Zaha so normally what happens is two or three players are focusing on Zaha and he hasn't got any space or time to do anything uh, but now they've got to sort of consider Eze and what he can do. And he's a real danger. He's an absolute live wire. And, and the way he glides across the pitch, it's really taking the focus away from, from Wilf. And, you know, he's um, he's on seven goals so far this season. So it's a, a better return at this stage uh, than it was for the whole of last season. So there's, there's a massive difference in terms of where we're playing. Where we fall down, to be fair, is... Um, when we played Chelsea, we, we sat back and tried to contain uh, them for the whole of the game, practically, in the hope that we'd have a couple of counter-attacks and be clinical with the way that we can complete those few chances that we generate, which is few and far between, uh, it, to be honest. Um, and, and that was kind of replicated against Burnley and against Newcastle. And those are the sort of games we should be really trying to put those teams to the sword because they're, they're teams around us uh, and below us. The, the three points are there for the taking. So it's, it's really frustrating because if we'd have won both those games, um, last night's game, you know, given the way West Ham have been playing, uh, I'm, I'm delighted with a point. I, I won't deny that. But the way that we played and controlled that game, we, we should have walked away with three points and the referee performance was nothing short of embarrassing and I know a lot of people say oh you're just being bitter you're just being a little bit kind of twisted over things especially you know on the referee's performance but 
I, I think, you know, on a side note, refereeing performances across every single game, I, I can't I can't actually pinpoint one game where a referee has had a really strong performance in, in any match against any side for Palace and for any other team playing each other. It's just been absolutely appalling and hiding behind this VAR aspect and these new rules. They just need to grow some balls, make a decision and stick by it and, and be, um, you know, on the same on the same playing field. You know, if you make one type of decision one game, you've got to replicate that in another game. Um, so last night we were robbed. Um, there's no way Benteke's um, headers um, were yellow cards. Uh, and indeed, you know, there's no way Coot should have pulled out the red card. He should have looked at the monitor. He should have been advised. He's not done that. He's absolutely bottled it. And he's ruined the game, to be fair. And, you know, like you said earlier uh, about, you know, several decisions that have gone against you this season, um, you know, it, all that's happening is players are now sort of playing for those penalties or they're playing for those those small margins and, and getting these decisions. And the game is just on its arse at the moment, forgive my expression. Um, so they, they need to make those changes quick, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. So you've just got to go in and bear it. Some games you're going to do well with, and we've benefited. I, I, I won't deny that. But we've also had it go against us. The, the game against Everton all day long, you know, it was um, it was a decision against Joel Ward. It was the correct decision. Um, but equally... Um, up, up the other end, it should have been replicated and, and, and we should have had the decision. So it, it should have been at least a point and not a loss. So there's some fine margins there um, overall for the season. But at this stage, you know, 18 points after how many games? It's 13 games, isn't it? You know, to be fair, that's a, that's a great return. Um, a lot of people will say that's down to Hodgson. Um, I'm not a big advocate of Hodgson. I never have been. He kept us solid for six months. and We had the same conversations last year's podcast and the one before. Uh, and, and when I come up to see you guys, I, I don't like the way Hodgson plays. The best form of defence is attack. And if you're attacking, the other team can't attack you. I've always been a big advocate of that. Um, appreciating there's different levels of quality in each side you face. And there's always a threat. But ultimately, you know, if you're, if you're going against... The opposing team, they they can't do anything to hurt you, and and that's been seen. You know the way we played against Manchester United, um, a massive win uh, against them, uh, and Leeds United. The way they've been playing, they've been a breath of fresh air in in the league this season. But whilst they've you know letting goals like there's no tomorrow, they've also been scoring like no tomorrow. So you know fair play to Bielsa and and the squad that they've accumulated. But to beat them four one was was a huge result for us and give us quite a bit of confidence. So we've been playing well, uh, but I think the Newcastle and Burnley games were a blip. Um, you know, come to the game this Saturday, I mean, we have the same conversation every every season for the last three seasons. Um, we always seem to step up against you guys. Um, there's been a few few games out of, the, out of the last sort of six that we haven't done that and you've, you've dominated us, but... I think, given the way that we're playing at the moment, I think it might be a bit closer this 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 weekend. And also, your injuries could go against you. But I don't underestimate the youngsters that you've got with, in your squad. They've got 
amazing capabilities, amazing potential. And you look on social media, so many of your fan base are berating all these youngsters. But I I can't think of one game that any one of them has made a mistake. So I I expect a tough game for us. I expect us to have very few chances. Um, And if we do create anything, we, we, we need to be clinical with with those chances and and absolutely take it to you otherwise i think we could get overrun and uh, Firmino is back on form so he's doing well Salah is, is scoring as normal and you know i think your best player so far this season um in, in my opinion you, you might disagree he's been Wijnaldum i think he's been absolutely amazing and I agree, bang yeah. on form and yeah you should be doing all you can to try and secure his services for, for a lot longer. Um, whether he stays or not is another matter, but I, he, I, I just think he's so solid. He plays the ball out nicely. He's got an, a brilliant passing ability and he tracks back. You know, you couldn't even ask for more, but yeah, it just surprises me how much criticism he gets as well. So, you know, the likes of Neko Williams and 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 uh, the, the other youngsters that you've got at the, at the back, um, Jones, he's been brilliant as well. I, I, I think you know you've got a, a brilliant three or four years ahead uh, with those players. Yeah, you're going to lose a few players, but I, I, I think you haven't got any issues there at all. And yeah, it's going to be a tough game. I'd take a draw if I'm being honest, but it's it's, it's like everything with Palace. You expect and hope for something, uh, but you take it on the chin if you don't get it. That's that's the life and times of being a Palace fan. Uh, so I'll take a draw this 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 weekend. A one-all draw would be nice. Uh, if we can win, yeah. brilliant. Uh, you know, I'll take that all day long, but I don't see that happening, given the way, e- e- even in your decimated squad that you've got at the moment, um, you're still finding a way to win. I mean, that win last night against Spurs was a massive win. They they took it to you in periods. Um, Bergwin was, was, was very, very good, and he could have, he could have scored a brace, but... You're finding ways to beat teams, and even with half your squad out, that, that's dangerous, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, uh, it has been a tough few weeks, but like you say, the, the young lads have really stepped up to the plate, and like the likes of Curtis Jones, fantastic game last night, and, and as you rightly say, I, I totally agree with you, Steve, about Genie Wijnaldum. He's, he's been absolutely superb this season from, from the start to the to the point that we're at now and it reminds me a little bit of the the season that Alonso had before he, he left at the end of the season he, he was absolutely brilliant so he probably had it in his mind that he, he was he was going to go and just wanted to give it all and it, it's it's probably unfortunately it looks like that's going to be the situation with Van Alden and with it with not being a new contract being um, being agreed or nothing whether there's, there's talks going in the background and hopefully so and um, he ends up staying, but yeah, it does does remind me a little bit of that situation when he had a fantastic season and then went went to Real Madrid and uh, at the end of it. So I, I yeah, still, I, I still to, think he'll. Um, I still think he'll stay. I think he'll sign a contract. I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure he will. Uh, you know, wh- wh- why would you want to leave a team that's winning trophies? That's I mean, wh- where are you going to go if you go to Real Madrid? What, what are you doing? You're going to start a new project because. They're, they're they're just rock bottom at the moment. If you go to Barcelona, they're just as rock bottom. I mean, the best place you could probably go to right now, if anywhere, would be Bayern Munich. But there's only three teams in the German league. What, what, what's the point? You know, in the Premier League, anyone can beat anyone. So why would you want to leave yeah, that league? 
So I heard from my sister's friend's cousin that Kohl's has the lowest prices of the season and had to see for myself. For real, the deals are so good. I got my kids' summer tees for $5.99, a cute swimsuit for myself for $17.99, and a shark vacuum for $199.99, which will be great after Sandy Beach Days. I got Kohl's cash, too, and I got it all in less than an hour with free store pickup. So, yeah, summer, I'm ready for you. Select styles. Ends May 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Uh, most definitely the the best best place for him to to be in my opinion, and he, he expressed that in his his, his notes and his uh, in the, the the match program. Should I say sorry last night when he said he's loving playing for Liverpool and it, it's it's a pleasure to be in this side. So yeah, fingers crossed he he does stay. But yeah, back over to Jay then, and um, Jay we're just gonna have a little little chat about the the game coming ahead against. Um, Palace, obviously, on it's an early kickoff. It's it's one of them games that, as a fan, we we don't really tend to like, do we? Yeah, and I, I suppose the players are the same, aren't they? Having to get up at, at eight nine o'clock after pasta and then kick off at half past twelve. It's it's not ideal, is it? But just give us your thoughts ahead of the um, the fixture on Saturday, please, Jay. Well, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. It's not ideal at all, is it? Half twelve kickoff on a Saturday is never great for fans, but. Obviously, it's not great for players either because their routine's all up the wall, isn't it? It's not what they're used to and it's not the ideal kick-off time. I'm sure players and managers alike, you know, if they had a choice, they'd, they'd avoid the 12.30 kick-off. And I always say that Crystal Palace are a little bit of a, it's a tricky game and they're a little bit of a bogey team to Liverpool. And, and as I touched on before, they're the last team to come to Anfield and beat us at Anfield. And although this game's not at Anfield, it's at Selhurst Park, I do... St- still think it could be a tricky game because the full of pace and power aren't they in their side and trickery where you know not just Zaha we know all about him over the last few years where he's caused us a lot of problems but they've got this new Boyeze now they got from QPR who looks like a bundle of tricks as well and really good footballer but they've also got the other the pacey pacey players and powerful players of the likes of Slup and Townsend and obviously now Benteke is going to be missing the game and I don't know whether that's a good or a bad thing because you know he does tend to struggle in games but he does always seem to do well against Liverpool so I suppose it's a good thing he's not playing but they've got Ayu as well who plays up front for them so like I say, it, it, it's it's always a tricky game, I find, when we play Palace because they are full of physicality and they are full of pace as well. So it's going to be tricky, do you know what I mean, going into this game against them, um, all things considered. Because no matter what anyone says, it's three games in six days, isn't it? And you know, Palace, Palace have had the same, of course. The so there's no excuses there. I just mean, no matter what, teams are going to be struggling at this moment in time in general because of the workloads of the Premier League fixtures coming thick and fast, isn't it? Um, and this is the third game now in that sequence. So I, I do expect it to be a tough game, but it's the onus is on Liverpool really to take the game to Palace because you would like to back that we've got more superior players you know we are the champions at the end of the day and you'd also like to think there's more importance on it for us because we can go six points clear at the top of the table and put massive pressure on the chasing pack for the rest of the weekend really so um, yeah you know it's going to be tough I'm looking forward to it of course I am but no, make no mistake, I think it'll be a tight game, quite cagey really, and I just think it, it'll be one goal a winner. Um, so uh, it's going to be interesting what Klopp does team selection-wise because it was disappointing that Matt have never made the game against Tottenham. But Klopp did actually say 
if this game means Tottenham was 24 hours later, then Matt may well have been available. So that would lead you mm. to believe that he should be available for this game to partner Fabinho against Palace at Selhurst Park. And some might say it's a little bit harsh on Rich Williams, but you know, ultimately at the end of the day, he's a 19-year-old boy and Joel Matip, as we know, when he's on it and he can play games, he, he can be a Rolls-Royce at times. He's a very good centre-half. It's just the only issues he's got is his, his body is just not cut out to play consecutive games, is it? And like, you know, in a short space of time. So, you know, mm. hopefully he will be fit and available to start the game at Selhurst Park. Um, and then other than that, I mean, as I say, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you wouldn't change anyone else uh, from the team that basically started against Tottenham but it's whether or not they're fit enough because obviously nowadays with the, the training methods and the sports science teams and all that you know Klopp really does listen to what they say because Liverpool have picked up so many stupid injuries really and like you know strain injuries and muscle injuries it's it's been very frustrating and you know he's, he's come in for a little bit of flack and criticism for his team selection against Michelin's and that game seen as get injuries to Simicus and Jota and needless injuries really because the game was a dead rubber wasn't it there was you know it didn't matter if Liverpool won the game through the game or lost the game 5-0 it was a perfect opportunity really to to play like a weakened team play a team full of under 23s and give you know the rest time that he's been crying out for been going on about player fatigue and fixture congestion and they was a perfect opportunity to play a weakened team and he didn't do it so it's sort of like null and void his argument really doesn't it about like you know the the player fatigue and stuff so I just think he made a mistake there, but you know this is Jurgen Klopp. Who am I to, to, to judge him? He's just won as the Premier League title. We're sitting pretty top of the league this season with all the injuries that we've had, and we've also won the European Cup. So, you know, realistically speaking, we shouldn't question him. But it just seemed a bit foolish because that game meant absolutely nothing. Yeah, to take on board to win the game, you would have got about two and a half million pounds or something, which probably would have went to add towards the coffers for maybe a January transfer like signing or something, but you've got to look at player welfare, really, and for me, I, th- I thought he made a mistake with the team selection, and this is the thing now, he's going to have to look at it and analyse going into this game against Crystal Palace and see whether or not players will be OK to play after playing two consecutive games, like on, on, on the Sunday and also on the Wednesday evening, so maybe Kate, we'll see Keita come into the side, I mean, you know, he, he could be available for this game. There's also Oxlade-Chamberlain. He could also be available for this game. Um, so there could be a, a couple of little changes, little tweaks to the team here and there. So I do fully expect Matter to come to the side, though. It's a bit frustrating. We all know that, you know, obviously Jot is out now for about six weeks. So that's frustrating because it means the front three are not going to get a breather. Are they? They're going to have to keep on playing and playing and playing. And the only thing I will say going into this game, though, is we've got a little bit of a break now, haven't we? After this game, I think it's got an eight day gap, haven't we, before we play West Brom. So maybe Klopp will just like try and get as much as possible out of this group of players now in the leads up to Christmas because obviously they're going to have some time off aren't they leading up to Christmas with the gap between this and the West Bromwich Albion game and also we've got the fact that you know Thiago's back in training now as well so hopefully the more and more players that we start returning back to training and hopefully be available for games moving forwards it leaves the burden on these players this group of players that have played so many games already this season for Liverpool um, so like I say it's going to be a really, really tricky game, but you know, hopefully, it's a game that we can get three points in. 
I was going to say, uh, guys, is, is, is there a problem with your training methods? Are you training too too much or too often uh, or too hard even? Because the amount of injuries you're getting, it, it, seem, it just seems very, you know, circumstantial, you know, to, and, and it could lead to, to maybe you're training too often, perhaps. I think a lot of them have been, yeah. like, in-game injuries, I mean, Jay, Jay, the likes of Thiago, was um, in the derby, Van Dyke, two challenges there, Jota was done in a game, um, who's the other one who's, who's out long-term, Gomez happened in away at England, didn't it? And I think, according to what, what Klopp's been saying in his, his interviews and things like that, he's been saying that they're not even training that much, this, this Liverpool team, because the games are coming that thick and fast. You have a game on a Sunday, then a Wednesday, then back on the Saturday. So they have, the players always have a rest the day after. So then they've got another day before they play the game. So it's, it's, it's probably just a light training session from, from all accounts. Is that something that, that you agree with, Jay? Yeah, I think in the past he's come in for a little bit of criticism, Klopp, hasn't he, about overworking his players in training. And that's obviously shown in games. Liverpool are normally unbelievable, like, you know, in, in a certain stages of a game and then he can't tire towards the end. And notoriously over the years when he was Dortmund manager, he used to tire towards the end of a season. So the last say six or seven games, they tail off because they were overworked. That was a criticism he come in, in, in for like for years, really, Klopp. But you're right in what you're saying now. In, the, in this current season, Liverpool basically don't do a lot of training anymore because we have that many games coming thick and faster with the rest days that they have and the gym days, so it's not like no contact work. You know, they're playing games, they're coming thick and fast. It's not to do with that. I think what it's probably down to this season, mainly with Liverpool anyway, is the fact that we never really had much of a pre-season. Normally, you would have six, seven weeks pre-season. This season, we had, what, two weeks? And I just think it's a snowball effect and we've had to overuse players. And don't forget, like, you know, teams like who are in Europe haven't had them extra six games, have they? Whereas Liverpool have had six Champions League games. I know the teams in the Europa League have had the same, but there's, there's like basically half the Premier League that, that haven't had them extra games. So it's just been sort of like a bit wear and tear on the squad. And I do think it's other clubs have had injuries as well, but just not to the levels of Liverpool. And I just think it's one of them things. It's just been unfortunate that Liverpool have suffered more than most. And let's be brutally honest. Two of the injuries that we got, especially in the one game against Everton in the derby, Pickford on Van Dijk and Richarlison on Thiago, they were freaks, weren't they? Because you very rarely see such X-rated challenges in games of football. You know, you see them like a couple of times a season and it just so happens with Liverpool, unfortunately, we had two of them in the same game. So, you know, it's just, it's been a bit of a freak really and almost like a bit of a curse with the injuries. It's probably been this season season so far, our biggest injury crisis that we've had in our entire history. And that's why I said before, it's quite remarkable to think Liverpool are actually top now at this moment in time, three points clear with all the issues that we've had. But no, I don't think this season it's about being overworked. It's just more about, you know, a mixture of things of, you know, being unlucky at times, unfortunate with injuries. And, and of course, we've had like a couple of really bad challenges going against our players and it's just, you can't really moan about it too much. We've just got to get on with it, pick ourselves up, dust ourselves down and just get on with it. And that's what we have done. And Klopp is such like an infectious type of character and he must be an unbelievable person to, to work for and want to play for that, you know, he's still reaping the benefits now and, and you're seeing the rewards of like the, the, the mentality that the squad's got. 
because they've still got that belief and he's got the faith in every single player, whether or not you're a, a world-class footballer, you're an international footballer, or you, you're a young kid coming through. You know, look at Curtis Jones, he's been fantastic in the last couple of weeks and Nico Williams coming for a bit of, bit of stick because he's not great defensively, making a few little errors here and there, giving away a penalty and stuff. But like he's had a couple of good performances since then, do you know what I mean? Um now young Reese Williams has stepped in. He's probably like what fifth, sixth choice centre half and he's played in all the Champions League games and as we touched on before, played well against Tottenham. We conceded one goal against Tottenham the other night, the other nineteen year old playing centre half. So, you know, they've come in, done a job and not let us down, as you quite rightly said, Steve. So, you know, it is what it is. Klopp's got that belief in in all of his players, regardless of your age and your experience and how whatever level you are at the club, he treats everyone as one and it's just testament to how good of a manager that he is. But in terms of the like, you know, the the amount of injuries, I just think it's down to being unfortunate. Yeah. All this week on NBC4, new products to new technology. Susan Hogan is showing you how local restaurants are changing the way we dine in and take out in this new world. Tonight at 6. A new twist on outdoor eating. A lot of it is creating flexibility. How one local restaurant is making their outdoor space mobile, giving you plenty of sunshine and social distance for a stress-free meal. It's all part of restaurant revitalization. Tonight at 6 on NBC4, working for you. Definitely. So, Steve, we're going to go back over to yourself now and um, just get your thoughts on on Palace's starting lineup for this game that's that's coming up at the weekend. Who do you see Roy picking for this game? Obviously, taking into considering the injury situation at Palace and also the the suspensions that you'd have. Obviously, Benteke is going to miss the game now, isn't he? After his his red card against West Ham. So, what's your your predicted starting lineup for Palace on on Saturday, please, Steve? Well, uh, given what's happened to Benteke, which is really annoying because uh, he's, he's found his feet a little bit and started to, to get in the goals again, which is great for us and him. Um, I, I don't see I don't see um, the back pairing change. I think it'll be Cahill and, and, and Scott Dam. Um, I think Klein will come back. I think he's been rested uh, specifically for this for this game coming this weekend. Joel Ward came in and he done he, he, he was more than capable with his performance uh, last night. Um, Patrick Van Arnold will be at left back, and I think what will happen because we've lost Benteke, I think we're going to go back to our defensive tactic, which is to put two DMs in front of the back four. So that will probably be Luka Milivojevic. Uh, say it right, and um, he might push. Kiate up with him, um, or he might keep Kiate at the back and, and go five across the back. I'm not sure too yet. Um, ben Teke being um, out the frame, he'll pull Ayu back into, uh, into into the side. Wilf will be on the left. Uh, Eze will be uh, in the middle, and uh, on the right will probably be um, probably Townsend. I think that will be. I think that will be the lineup, which will be. Um, It'll play into your hands. It'll give you the opportunity to put us under the cosh. But I think we're just going to play on the counter and try and you know hit you on the break and, and, and sneak one or two opportunities that way. Yeah, definitely going to be uh, be interesting to see how, how Roy lines his team up tactically. Anyway, like you say, the, the team's pretty much picking itself there. The Palace isn't it at the moment, and like you say, it's going to be interesting for for Klein coming back against his old team as well. So obviously, Klopp's going to know. A lot about his, his strengths and weaknesses, so it's something that he can work on on that side with with Mane playing on on the left against Klein on the right. So 
Yeah, um, I was going to like say the day. irony with Klein is he's actually been pretty much, I would say, in the top in the top two players that, that we've had playing this season so far. I mean, Wilf's been Wilf's been brilliant so far. He's had a couple of blips, but Klein's been really solid. Um, and to be fair, to get him on a short term contract and for him to play in the way that he has, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted with that. It's nice to see him back in the red and blue. Yeah, he struggled a lot towards the end of his Liverpool career with with injuries, and I think he was out for about twelve months, wasn't he, Jay? And he, but he came back in what I think was the Merseyside derby at one point, and or was it the Manchester United game at home? I think he came back and had a fantastic game, straight yeah. in from the cold, and played really well. Nice and, as well. Yeah, he, yeah, he's he's a, he's a solid professional, isn't he? I liked him when he signed for Liverpool. I thought it was a great signing, but just didn't turn out as we all expected, really. And he, he left the left the club on a bit of a bit of a whimper. Really, he didn't really um, go out with a bang, did he? And but yeah, he, he gave us all while he was he was at the club. And yeah, fair play. He's got that move to Palace and seems to be doing okay, doesn't he? So yeah, yeah. Jay, what's what's your um, predicted starting lineup? Obviously, you mentioned it in the in the previous section there about possibly juggling one of the two one of two players round. Should I say um, Cater and Ox could possibly come back into the team, but. Other than them two, what sort of uh, um, lineup is, is Klopp going to go for compared to that, that Tottenham lineup? I think I think Matter will come back into the side just purely based on what Klopp said, where if the Tottenham game would have been 24 hours later, then he would have had a chance for it. So for argument's sake, if it was Thursday, he'd, he'd have played probably. So with this game being Saturday now, I think Klopp will select Matip in the side. There's no two ways about that because you're going to need, aren't you, to have... Um, you know the solid base really of Matip and Fabinho in this game because I do think at the end of the day it's going to be a tough game because I've said before about Palace that they're, they're, they're a quick, strong, physical side, aren't they? So you know they have got players that can hear you know we've seen it in the past, the likes of you know Zaha and all that, and now they've got a new boy that we've not really seen before in Eze and he started quite well in the Premier League. He's adapted really well so far, so he's going to be another little, a little equation, a little puzzle that we're going to have to solve, shall we say? But um, other than that, it's difficult, isn't it, to assess because I do think it'll be the same front three. Um, it's just the midfield area for me because I think, think he wants to keep on playing Curtis Jones, even though he's only a young boy. It's still good that he's like you know for his development to keep on playing because he's going to be you know full of energy, isn't he? He's not going to be want to be left out the side. But there is probably a, a call really for maybe Cater to start the game, but it's it's who does he replace because you can't really leave Wijnaldum out because he's just like so durable and so dependable and might you know massively important. He's a vital cog to the midfield area for me, so he's got to play. And it's I think it's all on Henderson, isn't it? Because the thing with Henderson, he's another one that falls into that category where his game time needs to be managed. So can he play three games in six days? So there probably is a possibility that maybe Henderson might drop out for this game and be on the bench <laughs> with a view to with a view to bringing him on, you know, after an hour or something. Um, I'm not sure. So if if that did happen, it'd be obviously Cater, Jones, and Wijnaldum. Now, might people might say it's not strong enough than midfield. It probably isn't. 
But this is the thing about I'm saying about Klopp, where he's having to juggle the team around and you know like the issues that we've got in in, um, in midfield because we've got Milner out. Now this is a perfect game for maybe Milner starting, but he's still not going to be quite ready for this game. Um, you know Thiago to put his foot on the ball to control the midfield area, but he's not quite ready for this game. You know Fabinho to be in the middle of the park to sort of like break the play up and stuff, but he's needed a centre half so. It is a little bit of an issue, the sentiment area for this game for me. And it's going to be interesting to see what Klopp does because personally, if they're okay to do it, I, I would play the, the three that played against Tottenham. But I'm just not sure whether or not, you know, it's a, probably going to be a big talk this week, isn't he? Between Klopp and the sports science team, whether or not he can go with that, mm. that midfield trio. Um, and like I said before as well, there is that possibility that he might just try and get that little bit extra out of them for this game. With the with the idea of well look we've got eight days before our next one against West Brom I'll be in a home on the twenty seventh so like I say it's going to be interesting the team selection but um, <laughs> let's hope let's hope it let's hope it's a winning team selection anyway but I do think it'll be tight I think I've got two two score lines in my mind for this game I really have I think you know I'm, I'm going to be positive and say a two one Liverpool win. But it would not surprise me in the slightest if it ended up being a one-all draw because Liverpool's away form has been poor really this season. I think am I right in saying like we've only won is it is it one game away from home and that was against Chelsea and they were down to ten men first half. Don't think we've won another home game this another away game this season have we? I think we drew with Fulham, we drew with Brighton, we drew with um, Everton, we drew with Man City. So Liverpool's away form hasn't been great, to tell you the truth. And even the mm-hmm. back end of last season as well, we, we you know we weren't great away from home. We got obviously got battered, didn't we, by um, by Man City? We lost to Arsenal. Thankfully, you know we beat Newcastle last day of the season, and the game was irrelevant anyway. But Liverpool's away form is not great, so wouldn't surprise me if it was a one-all draw. But I'll be positive, and I'll say a two-one win. 2-1 win, yeah, and just before we um, just have a little talk about the January transfer window, we'll get your your um, thoughts on a, a score line prediction, please, Steve. Oh, I'm going to go I'm going to go for a 1-0 draw, mate. You're going for a 1-1 draw. Steve's uh, Steve's playing safe there with the with the <laughs> score draw. Yeah, myself, I'm going to go I'm going to back Liverpool to keep a clean sheet in this game, only because on the back of that, that performance against Spurs, I think like Jay says, we've got an eight-day gap, and there's there's basically no excuses now to to go out there. Got a three-day gap in between, and over to the early kickoff, but plenty of resting time in between that, and to to come off the back of that full performance onto Tottenham, and then to drop off again would just be, would be what was the point of getting up for the Tottenham game? So I think you've got no excuses now. I think Liverpool need to to get the ball by the horns if you like, and and, and make a good run between now and over Christmas, which is why I think we, we will do that and I think we'll we'll come away with a 2-0 victory, um, in my opinion. But yeah, just before we, we end the show, um, I'm just going to ask you anything recently, Jay, that you've heard anything on the transfer window? Any any news for us? Yeah, um, basically there's a centre-half that Liverpool, I mean, we all know the names that have been getting put about on Twitter, the likes of Ben White, who we've followed for for a good 12 months or more now, um, but he signed a new deal at Brighton. We've also been linked with the Turkish international uh, Kabak from Schalke, who, to me, I don't think he, he he's good enough for Liverpool or fits the profile at all. I think he's mm. probably a bit of a poor man's lover. And, um, we've been linked to the two centre-halves at Leipzig, haven't we? Can, can, Canati, is it, or Canate? And, Canate, um, yeah. 
Upper Meccano again, you know, not for me, not the, the the type of figures and prices that they're asking. One because we can can say whatever his name is, he, he's he's injury prone, and with Upper Meccano for me, he, he, no offense to Steve, like, but he just reminds me of a Sacco clone. Do you know what I mean? He's, he he always makes loads of mistakes for me, and that's clumsy, not good yeah. enough. We've had a centre we've had numerous centre halves like that in the past, and to me, I don't think he's good enough. And I know he's got a lot of fans out there on the in the social media world, but every time I watch him play, he's an accident waiting to happen. So he's a no from me, and I genuinely don't think we are after him anyway. Um, but the name that's been brought to my attention only recently in the last twenty four hours is a twenty three year old Spanish international playing a Villarreal called Pau Torres. Um, I don't know a great mm-hmm. deal about him, but he's definitely someone Liverpool are monitoring. Um, he, I think he's six foot four. He's made se- he's seven appearances for Spain international level, uh, so he's got seven caps for them. Um, and he's just a, a commanding centre half. And I assume, being the size that he is, that he's very good in the air as well. I haven't seen a lot of him, but he's he's definitely one of the, the centre half that Liverpool are strongly interested in. The only problem is he's obviously not going to be cheap. So whether or not it's going to be January or the summertime, it's more likely to be summer. Now, that's the only issue that I've got with it, myself, because the problem we've also got is the way FSG run and the way Michael Edwards is as well. They, they never really do stop gaps. It's always all about the long-term vision, the long-term aim of a player, like yeah. what he can bring to the team. And this is the reason why it, it's... To me, we've had this numerous times conversations about like the January transfer window, will we or won't we sign a centre-back? Now, me personally, I think it's negligence if we don't, and it could be the difference between winning the league and not winning the league, because it's very difficult to rely on inexperienced players like Reese Williams and Nat Phillips, if called upon, to sort of, between now and May, it's a long, long time, do you know what I mean? Um, we're not even halfway through the season yet. It's a big ask to, to see if Matip can play majority of these games between now and Just May. lost you there, Jake. You know, it's a big ask, isn't it, between now and the end of the season to expect like Matip to play majority of these games. So you know it's inevitable that the likes of Reese Williams and Nat Phillips are going to have to play games, aren't they, for us? And, you know, it's not that I don't trust them, it's just more about it's a big ask for them. And when Van Zyke got injured, you thought, well, Liverpool need to sign a centre-half now in January. But I, I got the impression there was no way we were signing one anyway because he, he had the faith in the likes of Gomez and Matip and, and Fabinho. But now, since Joe Gomez has been injured, it's just a, a total different ball game now. That's your two main centre-halves out. And because the third one is is matter, and he's he's you know as I say his game time needs to be managed because he's always injured. Fabinho's been a breath of fresh air. We all know it, but I just think it'd be negligence if Liverpool don't sign a centre back in January. But like I say, or by the looks of it, and if you listen to all what the journalists are saying and all the vibes are that we aren't going to sign one, it's going to be disappointing for many people. But you know that's the name I've heard anyway. Pau Torres from Villarreal, so. You know, this that's one to certainly keep an eye on. So if people want to have a little look and go on his Wikipedia and whatever, go on YouTube and that. But he's certainly one someone Liverpool are definitely monitoring, and it could be a view to signing them next summer. At Capella University, education is as smart as the world around us. With the FlexPath format, you can take classes at your own pace, set your own deadlines, and even leverage your previous experience to move faster. Now that's smart. Learn more at capella.edu. Jay, can I just say, um, why do you need to sign anyone? You've got the worst injury 
crisis that you've ever had as a team, as a squad, and you're top of the league. And every game that you play, you you seem to be coming through uh, with, with, you know, with ease, to be fair. And the youngsters, every time the youngsters get pulled in, they, they're having really good performances. So what, why not trust in what you've got? Why do you need to go and spend 50, 60, 70 million on someone? When it's it's just all there? about that. It's just all about having the options, and this is what I'm saying. It's it's going to be very difficult to to expect a 23 year old journeyman in that Phillips to to play. Say he has to play 10 games on the spin. It's inevitable that he's going to make mistakes, and people should never get on his back if he does. Because at the end of the day, it's unfair on him. It's like Reese Williams. He's a young boy learning his trade. It's like Nico Williams. He made a couple of mistakes in games and Costas, you know, obviously gave away a penalty and stuff. It's it's very difficult to rely on young, inexperienced players if you want to win the league or you want to win a European Cup. You just need the numbers. When you've got three centre-halves who are injured and two of them are out for the rest of the season, it's all about having the options. And Liverpool need another centre back. Let's not forget, but for the fact that Fabinho, who is a centre midfield player, by the way, is absolutely outstanding playing out of position at centre half. Liverpool will be completely and utterly decimated there. So that's what I'm saying. It's already bad enough as it is. So Liverpool have always had an eye on signing a centre back anyway, because we let we let Asian Lovren go in the summer and we never replaced them. And I know he wasn't everyone's cup of tea. I know he wasn't like, you know, someone who everyone thought, oh, let's like have Lovren back or let's depend on Lovren. But my point is, he needed replacing anyway. So when Van Dijk gets injured, you're thinking, we definitely need one now. When Gomez gets injured, we definitely, definitely need one now. So that's my point. It's like, I understand what you're saying. Put a little bit of trust and faith in the youngsters or the inexperienced player like Nat Phillips. He's not a youngster. You're not a youngster at 23, I you're a professional footballer. But what I'm saying is, you can't just throw all your trust in, play, in, in players like that when you're trying to win the big trophies because sooner or later it'll come back to haunt you. It really will. And that's the problem. If Joel Matip was more reliable with injuries and didn't have to sit games out because he's got a back spasm, he's got this, he's got that, then maybe I'd agree with it a little bit more. But I just think it's too much to expect a young 19-year-old and an inexperienced 23-year-old to basically play in a team for more than half a season if we want to go on and win a league or a European Cup. Yeah, but if, if, if they end up playing for half a season just because the injuries are, are there and people aren't recovering and you win the league, he's got, he's got that half-season experience then, hasn't he? He's proven that, he's, that he warrants a, a place in the side and... I've not seen any game that any of these boys have played that they've made any mistakes. That they've looked all looked solid, um, you know, and had really good performances overall. And I, I, yeah, I, I get I get how at a bigger club you're going to want to see progression, but the progression's right in front of you. From my point of view, from an outsider's point of view, that that's just yeah. just my stance on it. That's all. It's a gamble. It's a gamble if 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 we if we don't sign one because you know ultimately these are inexperienced players. So when you're the champions of a league and you're like obviously trying to win the league again and you're obviously wanting to win a European Cup, then you know of course at the end of the day you want to have star players in all over the park and of course you need to put a little bit of trust and faith in 
in young players and inexperienced players if you have to because of injuries. If injuries dictate, then that's what you've got to do. But ultimately, Liverpool needed a centre-back anyway. There was always one on the radar because we, when we let Dejan and Lovren go. Since then, we've had two, two centre-halves injured for the rest of the season. So we're light in that area. However you want to dress it up about giving other players options and chances, Liverpool have always been after the centre-back anyway before these injuries. So, of course, it's fantastic that like Reese Williams has emerged and looks like he's got something there to, to obviously move forward with and be an option as like maybe a fourth or fifth choice centre-back. But for me, I wouldn't be wanting to put too much trust in him if he had to play 20 games on the spin. That's not to say that he wouldn't prove me wrong or others wrong. But Liverpool are after the centre-back anyway. So it's all about next summer, Liverpool want to get a centre-half. And that's the name that I've been given that we like and we've been monitoring. So my point is... Why not bring it forward six months and, you know, hopefully then we're having the extra body and the more experience, if you like, because he's, inter- he's a proven international. He's, he's had seven caps for Spain. He's played in the Liga for about three seasons on the spin. So he's got a lot more experience than the other two names, the other two boys that we've got playing. So my point is just get an extra body on board. You're a little bit more solid defensively. You don't have to rely on matter. His game management can be a little bit, you know, like easier on him, shall we say. It's not as important if he plays all the time. We'll have an extra body and then it just bolsters the squad really moving forward, trying to basically win the league and also go for the European Cup. When you've got two centre-halves, key centre-halves missing, it's a massive tall order. And yeah, we're 13 games into a season now and we're doing really well. But that doesn't mean to say that's going to continue between now and May, does it? That's the thing, that's the issue. So it's always better if you can bolster your squad. And Liverpool are crying out for the centre-back anyway, so I, I just don't see any reason whatsoever why we shouldn't try and bring it forward and sign someone in January. Yeah, definitely, and I think the the key thing that Jay hit on there was was the word experience, and that's that's the one thing that... that... Reese Williams hasn't got. I know Steve said he would, would gain it by playing games, and obviously he will. But there's there's a lot more needed than just playing games, isn't it? There's the game game management to know how, how I was positioning, all sorts of different things that an experienced central defender would bring to the team. So yeah, I think it's. I agree. It's key that we do bring a, a defender in in the January transfer window for the for the exact same reasons as what as what Jay's just touched on then. So yeah, just before we we leave, what we uh, just have to say our thanks to the LFC day tippers, Gav, all the lads over there for editing the show, putting it out on their their social media platforms. Don't forget to keep up with the No More Knives campaign that we support and um, been supporting them from from last season, haven't we? With um, Paul Bentley and all the the lads over there doing some some great work on the the No More Knives campaign. So yeah, don't forget to keep keep following them and. And keep up to date with all the all the charity work that they're doing in that area. So yeah, very um, very important. So thanks, Steve, and thanks, Jay, for for joining us tonight. Absolute pleasure, and uh, really appreciate you uh, inviting me on again. It's it's becoming a an annual uh, annual thing now. So yeah, thanks. thanks annual lot, tradition, mate. Yeah, it is. <laughs> thanks as well, Jay. Yeah. All- yeah, all the best, lads. Hopefully it's a good game on Saturday, but uh, obviously Liverpool get the victory and go six points clear. Well, listen, lads, yeah. I, I hope you have a, a, a brilliant Christmas with your families and stuff, and um, yeah, well, I'll commiserate you on social media when we beat you this weekend. Yes, always a, always a big um, influence on social media. You can get Steve's account there. Just what, what is, What's your account again, Steve? How do you say it? It's I am a believer. Uh, yeah, right. Um, he, 
he will be tagged in the in the podcast as well. So give him a follow. Always, always funny stuff on his timeline and and lots of banter between him and and other clubs. All, all friendly, all positive, and all um, all all very uh, funny as well. So yeah, give Steve a follow um, for the people who are listening. So yeah, thanks everybody for for listening, and we'll uh, we'll be back with our our next podcast. When will we be back then, Jay? What's what's the what's the plan? Oh, I'm not sure, to be honest. I mean, obviously, after this game, we've got a big gap, and West Brom's mm, the one after Boxing Day, isn't it, at home? We've got Newcastle away from home after that, and then we've got Southampton away as well, so we'll assess it when we have to go on, make it sweet, and say yeah. when the next podcast's going to be. Spot on. Okay, thanks, everybody, for, for listening to the Cop Table podcast, and we will be back with you very soon. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Sports Social Podcast Network.